Hey everyone, Ryan Ferran here. Appreciate you tuning back into the podcast. I am at the Calspra 2018 annual conference, having a great time networking and really learning from a lot of these sessions and workshops and the keynotes. I'll do a separate podcast on exactly what Calspra is if you're not familiar with it, but I wanted to share one of the sessions today, recorded it, and I'm glad I did. I thought it would be good, and it turned out to be really, really good. Five ladies on the panel talking about when disaster strikes, lessons learned from the 2017 wildfires. So really good information. Um, They talk about their stories, both Northern and Southern California wildfires that they went through, how to communicate through that process, really practical tips about what they learned along the way um, and provided some great strategies that any school district, nonprofit, et cetera, would want to know about um, when you have to face some of these disasters and how you can prepare yourself and get things ready to go right now. So without any further introduction, I want to bring that audio from that great session on right now. It starts with Nathan Cavado, the president-elect of CalSPRA, introducing them, and then it gets into it. They start off by playing a video. I take that video out. It's kind of, uh, it has subtitles, and it just basically shows the devastation of the wildfires. But we skip ahead in that, and then get back into the discussion and the presentation. It's really good. I hope you enjoy it. And if you have any other questions about CalSPRA, the workshop, or anything, find me on Twitter or on uh, my blog as well, ryanprforan.blogspot.com. And I hope you enjoy some great information. Get that notepad out. uh, Get your computer out and take some notes you're gonna really uh, learn a lot from this session. Okay, so I'm gonna list off everybody that's up here and raise your hand when I say your name. Uh, We have Beth Burke, who's the communication coordinator for Santa Rosa City Schools, Elizabeth Emmett, director of communications for Napa Valley Unified, Jamie Hansen, communication specialist at Sonoma COE, Shauna Wagner, director of communications and special projects at Napa COE, and Music Watson, Calspro past president and chief communications officer at San Diego COE. Wow, okay. So, I'm just gonna let you ladies take it away because you got a lot to talk about. Thank you. Thanks, Nathan. So welcome and we're glad that you're here. And today what we are going to be sharing is the lessons that we learned in the fall wildfires that happened both in Northern and Southern California. That's why we have a variety up here. Um, But of course, what we hope you will be able to do is take these lessons and apply them to any potential disasters that happen in your area, not just obviously for a wildfire. And next we were going to introduce ourselves, but Nathan actually did that. So I will say that um, this presentation plus some additional handouts are gonna be available through the CalSPR website once all that information is up from, from the conference. And we are gonna go ahead and go through the slides because we have a lot to share with you, but we will take questions at the end. And with that, we're going to begin with just a very quick video um, to give you a sense of what it was like for us in Northern California, and I think it was similar in Southern. This was shot during the night that the fires erupted, which went on in Northern California for almost probably 10 days. And um, it gives you a sense of how fast things were happening, that even the first responders really were not getting the best information at that point. And so you can imagine what it was like for us. So that was what started our uh, adventure experience. And with that, we're going to move to preparation and music is going to get us started. So in San Diego, it was a little bit different than in Northern California. We had the lilac fire this time. 
Uh, and unlike in December, now in May of 2014, our fires were largely contained in the East County and parts where it wasn't necessarily as um, fully involved as, as we just saw in that video. But what I would say, what I learned from the 2014 fires and also from these, is that it's really important to have a go bag. So this is a picture of my actual go bag. In a past life, I was uh, Director of Marketing Public Affairs for the American Red Cross, and so it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. You can see, if you look closely, it's very well loved. There's stains all over it, and it is full of things like pre-written messages. So um, we talked about what are all of the things that could possibly go wrong in our, in our area, everything from an airplane crash to fires, to arrest of a teacher or employee for having sex with a student, to bomb threats, to school shootings, um, which obviously are a hot topic right now too. Um, phoneless, phoneless not only for people at the County Office of Education where I work, but for the public districts in our county, for partners like the Red Cross, PIOs from all of the county, from the airport authority, from the water districts, um, a lot of different places, maps, directories, phone chargers, all of my electronic messaging and things I have on a thumb drive also, as well as saved to the cloud, so I would strongly encourage you to do that. Um, I also carry backup chargers for my cell phone and for my computer. And also self-care basics. So one of the things that we'll talk about later is you, know, you kind of have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help others. So not only do I have a plan for my family of what to do in the case of an emergency and where will rendezvous and who our contact person is, but in my go bag, I also have a toothbrush, toothpaste, Hairbrush, masks, water filters, um, makeup, because in our job we have to do interviews sometimes, uh, and a change of clothes I always carry with me, and blazer, so that in the chance I have to go and do an emergency TV interview, I can at least look professional. So I would strongly encourage you to make sure you have a go back. Okay. I also have slide number two, which is to prepare your logistics. So um, one of the things as a county office that is a little bit different than for our school districts is we have districts that look to us to provide guidance and information. And in the December wildfires, I actually had a district call me, the chief communications officer, and say, should we close our schools or not? Which I'm happy to make decisions, I'm happy to give guidance, but in a perfect world, the district would have had a plan and a protocol for making sure they know how to make that decision. So I would strongly encourage you all to prepare your logistics and think about when and how will your decision makers meet and then what is your process for making those decisions? What's your process for thinking about are you gonna close um, after school events? What's your process for thinking about will you have sports continue? What about evacuation centers, which someone else will talk about in a minute. Um, but I think one of the things that's really important about that is there's a lot of pressure that comes in terms of time and oftentimes school districts are looking to other districts or to the county office also to provide guidance. So one of the things we do as a county office and that you districts can go back and talk to your county office about doing too is bringing together all of the superintendents or safety personnel so that everyone can be on the same page and have a protocol for sharing who's open, who's closed, what's going on with everyone at the same time and then taking notes during those meetings whether it's an in-person or a conference call and passing those on so that people can be on the same page about what's good information and what's happening. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I just want to talk real quickly about the um, facilities being evacuation centers. Uh, one of our high schools became an evacuation center with a lifeboat for the entire town of Calistoga, which was evacuated for five days. So they came down to one of our high schools. And what you see in the picture here is one of our high schools has a farm. 
and that became an evacuation center for animals. So uh, it was really an, uh, you know all hands on deck, all community on deck uh, situation. But I really want to mention that last bullet to plan now for donations management. It's one of the most important things, and it's going to take you by surprise. So make a plan now of who's going to handle that. Um, and you're going to need information uh, in an event that actually affects students or teachers, you know, people's homes burning down or people losing their families or whatever. You're going to have, need to have a way to get names and addresses and phone numbers of that pe those people. And for a couple of reasons, number one, of course, your own response. You want to help them. You want to support them emotionally or whatever way. But also because, um, you know, we got calls from elected officials saying, hey, I want to give $50 gift cards to every kid who lost their house. And then they're going to look to you for a list. Um, and then, you know, we got thousands or hundreds of backpacks full of school supplies. So, you know, how are you going to take those in? How are you going to get them out? And then, of course, the media wants to know, too. How many of your staff? How many of your students? They want those numbers. So donations management is a full-time gig. And make sure it's not you, because you're going to be doing other things. So in our case, we had our education foundation. That was the job they took on. And it was awesome. They took all that. Um, finally, just, um, some of this we already knew about who are um, communications protocols. You know, who, who's going to approve the messaging? That all this stuff you don't want to be asking these questions in the, the heat of the moment. So before you have a disaster, no. If you're coming up with the messaging, who approves it? How does it? You know, who's the final say? Um, if you can't, if you can't get there, if you can't do your job, who's going to do it? For me, I know it's nobody. So I don't know about you. <laughs> Uh, and if you know, uh, if your decision makers aren't there, how's it going to work? You know, one of our um, uh, really important folks in our emergency response was he lives over in Santa Rosa, so he can get over the hill. Um, and then, you know, how are we going to get translation done? You know, who's approved to speak on camera? Is it just going to be me? Is it going to be someone else? We had two people because I don't speak Spanish, so we had two people there. Um, uh, one thing I didn't plan for that I'm really bummed that I didn't is I didn't have any way to get together a call center. I didn't have any way to get together a phone line that people could answer because um, we had so many questions from parents. And I could get the information together, no problem, but I couldn't get I couldn't pull together the bilingual staff to answer that. And we needed bilingual staff, you know, smart bilingual staff. So and we didn't have them, so I didn't get it put up. That was one of my failures, and I will have one next time. So I don't know if anybody else has any examples they want to share about that. Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm from Santa Rosa. And um, I just wanted to tell you that if you don't know how to use Facebook Live, this might be a really good time to practice with it and learn how to use it before a disaster. It really saved us. The fire started Sunday night. Um, Monday morning, everything was fully engulfed, and I was actually evacuated at that point and didn't return to Santa Rosa for a week. But Facebook Live was used on Wednesday at our regularly scheduled board meeting, which was held at a high school instead of City Hall. And um, I'm going to be including in our packet of information for you a great one-pager on how to use Facebook Live. It has a lot of tips. Um, so that can really save you. And I actually watched our board meeting on Facebook Live and took notes and then was able to post a summary of it. So I highly recommend it. 
Hi, I'm Jamie from the Sonoma County Office of Education. I'm touching on the second point here, which is just to make sure that you have access to all your modes of communication uh, remotely. And for me, this has really become cloud-based is the most consistent way to do this, although you also need a print backup in case your internet is down. Um, but I, I uh, was grateful to myself for having almost all of my email distribution lists in Google Docs and uh, my passwords safe, but there was one email and password for um, a special email account that we use for our employee communications that I had neglected to put aside. And so I was having to send out all of those communications for my personal email. It wasn't the end of the world, but it was also not the way that employees were used to seeing that information. So that was definitely a lesson. I just want to attack this last one because it says be prepared to go old school. And we had to because we had the first probably four or five hours of the fires, we had internet, we had electricity, we had um, Wi-Fi. So we could get ourselves together. But then everything went down. Electricity, Wi-Fi, internet. So we were literally, we literally had put signs on our schools, um, you know, go around and post paper signs on our schools because that and AM radio were the only thing that we're, that we're getting out for the entire first day and a half or so. We didn't have Wi-Fi, we didn't have any way to use Facebook or um, our email such, you know, we had to use Blackboard, we didn't have any way to get Blackboards out. We didn't, all we could do was go to the radio station. And everybody in Napa Valley was tuned into the radio station, the AM radio station. So if you're not familiar with your AM radio station people, get to know them, go over there and meet them. So that when, if you need them, um, they'll, rec they'll welcome you there. you to, if you haven't already, set yourself up with an emergency school closure or emergency announcement page on your website. Um, this is something that we were fortunate enough to have from flooding that had happened in our county over the last few winters. So we had set it up and really worked out all the kinks with the website, which included um, last year when there was flooding. I was out of the office. I was announcing school closures from vacation um, in the mountains on my laptop, and I had no idea how to access this page because it was set up by my predecessor, and she had not um, shared with me that you needed, it, it was set up differently to, um, to help keep it from crashing during high traffic moments like this, which was great, but it meant I didn't know how to get in. So I was having to communicate with our web support remotely, and. It was a nightmare, but I was so um, glad to have that sorted out um, in advance of these fires. So I would say if you are going about setting up a page like this, uh, that you want to make sure, A, that it's not going to crash when it's getting tens of thousands of hits. So you can work with your web people to, to make sure that's the case. Um, you want to stock it with helpful links and resources. Ours links to county emergency information, road closures, safety tips for traveling during disasters, that sort of thing. Um, and then finally, you want to make sure you know how to access it when you need to, and that there's a backup person who knows how to access it in case you're incapacitated. And I would just add, so for ours, we actually have an icon that we use. So anytime there's a crisis or emergency, it's this one particular image 
goes up on our front page, and that's also the picture that we post with any social media things linking to it. So it's very visually obvious, very quickly, that this is a crisis, and it's you know it's red, it's got emergency icons on it, it's really clear, and it helps cut through some of the clutter. So this is the last slide in our preparedness section, and I think this is a really important one. How many how many of you attend or know or have access to your op area, your operational area? for emergencies. See, schools aren't good at it. We're not good at it. And what you have to do is go to your, you know, know who is your area lead, know who is your county um, emergency operations director. They meet all the time, the police, the fire, everybody, and we need to be in the room. And we as schools just aren't good at that because they all know each other. So an emergency, they know exactly what to do, how to talk to each other, and we're left out in the cold. But I come from, I used to work for Napa County, so, when uh, we bugged out of our house at midnight on the first night, my husband and son and dog went one direction to go be safe, and I drove straight to our emergency operations center because I knew that's where everybody was going to be, and I knew that's where I could get the information. And they knew me, they let me in, so I was sitting there right with the fire chief and everybody else for the first you know, five hours of the emergency, and that is so helpful. So make a phone call, go out to lunch, find out how you can become part of these meetings and know these people, because so you'll become invaluable to your um, district in an emergency if you do that. Um, the only thing I want to note here too is, if you do that, then you can be more comfortable knowing your role and being prepared to help others stay in their lane, which in an emergency is really, really important. I had one situation where um, our, one of our county supervisors uh, put on Facebook, hey, schools are closed for the rest of the week. Watch for details. And we hadn't announced anything yet. So she really messed up my day. And I didn't, <laughs> that's exactly how I said it, no. Um, she really messed up my day because we hadn't told our employees yet. We hadn't made any announcements yet. But because she was sitting down in the EOC and she heard somebody say it to somebody else, she went and put it on Facebook. So I had no problem saying to her, hey, you know what? <laughs> Stay in your lane. You know, let me, let me make announcements for us and you make announcements for you. Um, and you just get more comfortable doing those things if you're part of that system. And most, most important, send the liaison officer to the EOC. Make sure somebody from your district who can think critically and think about operations and communications and everything else is sitting in that EOC or going to the meetings, the um, debrief meetings and the, um, the cooperating agencies meetings in the morning or whenever they have them. It's invaluable, you'll have first-line information. So that's, that's the end of our preparation section. And now we're going to share some information from during the disaster, and we're going to begin quickly with a little video that Elizabeth will explain. This is only eight seconds, but watch it carefully. This is my webmaster, the first night. Yes, Kelly, my webmaster, she's awesome. Watch for her little body here. This is her front yard. So this is her fighting the fire. Bless her little heart. Okay, so and the reason I show you that is because that's, that was her night, and then the next day she's online from up, up in her house where she can't leave because they won't let her back in on you know, remote access, updating our website, sending, sending, sending stuff as she could, you know. And, um, I just wanted to mention that, yeah, she's working off a generator, and I just wanted to mention that because in, when we're all responding so hard, they're also, you know, we're all victims too. I mean, everybody's stressed and everybody's feeling the pain, and she certainly was. 
um, that night. And I'm going to let Beth say a little more about that. Hello. <laughs> um, thank you. So, yeah, I, I think that it goes without saying that you need to put on your own oxygen mask first, just like they tell you in the airplane. I mean, ironically, we really needed oxygen masks. It was so horrible up there. And we all learned which masks can protect you from which particular matter. Um, but I do feel like the first thing that really helped me was being able to recognize that I was in extreme circumstances and I shouldn't function like I would under normal circumstances. So normally I'm very responsive to the media and I was getting media calls on my cell phone, but I was unable to communicate with my district because I was in a different county. And so I realized, okay, no more answering the phone, let it go to voicemail, then call them back. Just give yourself a little bit of time because it was a very stressful situation. And so I would just say, um, our tips are to pace yourself, delegate, even when it seems hard to do so. I'm a communications department of one at Santa Rosa City Schools. So I remembered my colleagues who had a little bit of experience and then called on them. There was a particular curriculum and instruction person. She was helping me with the media when we finally had news conferences and things like that. So start to delegate if you can. Say no when you need to. Um, someone thought I might come back to work the first week. It was impossible given our family situation. Um, and, and then I think also just remember that the priority is information and not perfection. It's okay to not have video or pictures or the ideal ways to communicate that you would have in a normal circumstance. We had a lot of bulleted lists and parents loved them because it gave them the information they needed quickly. Let me just add that it's also always okay to lean on CalSPRA. So as an organization, one of the things that we exist for is to support you, our members. And so I can think of lots of situations outside of the fires where someone's had something go on and CalSprints have reached out to that person and said, can I monitor your social media for you? Can I help staff a call center from remotely? Can I give you some messages? What do you need? So it's perfectly okay if you find yourself in that situation and you have access to email and phone to reach out to someone else, even if they're not in your area, and put some of the work on them instead. I would just add quickly to this. Uh, there's a, a bullet about keeping in mind your personal obligations. And uh, for me, this, this one was difficult because I was working full-time and my husband, uh, who works for the city, was also working at an emergency shelter. We have a three-year-old daughter it was a real scramble to figure out how she was going to get care during the day. And not only that, she had a lot of emotional needs that needed to be taken care of. So that was a real juggle, and I think I, it would have been helpful to have just thought ahead in advance who might watch her in a disaster. Okay, I'm gonna take this one. And in the rush and the sense of crisis, you're so focused on getting information out to the media and to your families, but we wanted to just note that it's really important to also remember your internal communications. We learned very quickly that staff did not like being the last to know something or finding out after the public had already found out that did not go over well, and, and rightly so. So, and also, the, in, you know, especially in Napa County, we're pretty small. People, you know, the neighbors are asking them, everyone's asking, expecting them to also be a resource. So. Um, as we've just touched on, you yourself are often probably stressed. Elizabeth and I 
learned this both in 2014, we had a major earthquake and with the fire, that they don't really tell you that often when you go to crisis trainings that you yourself might actually have been impacted by it. So a written list, uh, like a checklist, and making sure that you're communicating on lots of platforms because again, we had some people had internet, some didn't, some had power, some didn't. So, but you want that written list because you're gonna forget because you are stressed and you're not maybe as focused as you normally would be. So for example, um, you know, we were sending messages out by email, by text, putting it on all our social media platforms, putting it on our website, and as Elizabeth said, sometimes hand hanging signs, notifying radio and newspaper. Um, you wanna make sure that your tone is clear and empathetic with your staff. They are stressed, some of them have been evacuated, some of them have lost their homes in this situation. Um, so you, know, you need to be clear and concise, but also keep that empathetic tone to it. And um, while you know, keeping up your morale and encouraging them to be safe and not try to be heroes or go into their classroom or do something like that when it's not a good idea. And finally, um, as you know, most of our staffs are really great people who want to help, and so we both found, and I think you guys did too, that um, we pretty quickly had a Google Doc up that had all kinds of places you could volunteer, uh, GoFundMe pages that were going up for people um, that had lost their homes, and we were able to do that um, in a cloud situation where we could keep changing it. We also had started a, a cloud-based list of sort of where staff were for trying to track who had been evacuated. And by sharing that information with staff, they really appreciated the opportunity to be able to help, especially when we were closed for two weeks. And that's, for a lot of people, that was just a lot of sitting down and waiting. Um, so we were able to kind of put them to work. Okay, so I'm a former reporter and and 
show um, how your district or your county office stepped up, show what the impact was. I second that, what Jamie just said. I think that um, use your phone, horizontal mode, and then later you can create a slideshow. You can use it in so many ways, so just try to remember every meeting, take a picture, even a wide shot of the room. It's very helpful to document it all. Um, the next slide, streamline the media efforts. We actually um, had our schools closed for three weeks, and uh, Wednesday of the third week, teachers came back in half of our schools. They wanted to um, talk to the media about it, but we weren't quite sure what to do. Everybody said, let's hold a press conference. We don't usually get TV or radio media up about an hour north of San Francisco very often. And so I would suggest if you're in a smaller district or an area that doesn't get regular TV or radio coverage, to hold a media availability event instead of a press conference. They sound similar, but a media availability is just making everyone available that the media might want to talk to. So we had our teacher union leader, classified staff union leader. Um, we had bilingual staff that could be interviewed. Um, the cabinet, pretty much, our business services assistant superintendent. Um, and then the superintendent and the president of the school board had some very short prepared remarks. And once again, we used Facebook Live. Um, and so we put a notice that we would be broadcasting the media availability, we sent it out live, and then later anyone could go to our Facebook page and look at that availability. Um, I see Terilyn in the back. Terilyn um, from F3 um, was great and came and helped me do some sheets, like handout sheets for the media, fact sheets, so that they had the correct spelling of everybody's name and they had just bullet points on what we're doing to clean our facilities, um, how students will get free meals, what people should do if they want to donate, um, so that we had something ready for the media availability. And I asked them to RSVP and they didn't all RSVP, but that's okay. Then um, two days later, we opened our first half of our schools and the people who worked in the cabinet and other levels in the district thought, well, why don't we just ask for privacy? Our teachers and students seem to want privacy. It's going to be very emotional. But I felt like, as the communications person, we needed to be realistic. It's the biggest story of the day that we were opening our schools after being closed for three weeks. I mean, that's almost unheard of, I think, to close for that long. So we balanced it by creating a situation where we had an elementary school and a high school where the principals knew in advance and pulled some students that would be good people to be interviewed by the media. We had a principal who was bilingual. She spoke to Hispanic media. Um, and we created a morning of availability. And then the people who responded to that, actually I don't think we had one um, media person who tried to come in the afternoon or who ambushed students on the way out of school. So that was really nice. I think we were able to do that in a way by planning ahead that got the TV and the radio stations the stories they needed and respected the privacy of the families and the, the teachers. Can I just say one more thing. Um, some of these documents I'm talking about, I'm going to make available in our kit afterwards too. 
Okay, so in the, um, we had communicate proactively. I call this one my white album. Everything's white in this picture. Um, but this was a video that we did just to talk through for our community. We did one in Spanish as well. We just said, you know, here's the process we have to go through in order to open up our schools. And it was, I don't know, a couple minute video. But yeah, it was just a piece of paper up on the wall with pictures and we're pointing at it and talking. And it's got about 30,000 views, which for Little Napa County is pretty good. Um, so just we were trying to think of every, everything we could possibly do. So, um, but the best thing I think that we did was we gave regular information, predictable information. We kept telling people where, when we would tell them more. You, know, you will hear more at this time, which took the pressure off of us, which was very good. Um, when we, we decided we couldn't just announce things, we had to announce and explain because, you know, in a disaster, people have lizard brain where you know, they can only take in so much information and you have to repeat it several times. So we had to be very deliberate and very calm and, you know, very repetitive in our communications. And we also wanted them to understand, you know, why things were happening. You know, people were feeling out of control. So the more information you give them, the more control you give them. So we, we wanted to be very open with them as well. Um, and finally, you just have to use multiple platforms, um, languages, and sure your messages are getting out there. We had a lot of our community is um, Spanish speaking. A lot of our community is, um, I shouldn't say a lot, but several, you know, there's a, there's a fair number who are undocumented, so they wouldn't go to the shelters because they were afraid they were gonna get identified. They wouldn't go. So we went to them, you know, we went to the churches where they were and, you know, health meetings there, informational meetings there. You have to be as proactive and out in the community as you possibly can. Does anybody else want to say anything? So with our fires in San Diego County, we've got 42 school districts here, and only a handful of them were directly impacted by fire, but some of them were impacted by smoke and air quality issues. And so in terms of communicating proactively, one of the things that we tried to do as a county office was, number one, figure out who was open and who was closed and why they were closed if they were closed, but also give messaging to everyone so that they could communicate to their audiences. And we were all speaking the same language using the same messaging because we had school districts that were right next to each other and one would be closed and one would be open and there would be questions in the community and consternation about, well, does that mean this one cares about kids and this one doesn't? Um, which really, you know, of course is not true, but that's how the question gets posed sometimes is why, why doesn't this district care that the kids are gonna be outside playing with dirty air? Uh, and so it was a matter of explaining. So not just saying this one's closed, but this one's closed and here's why. This one's open and here's how they're adjusting their schedule or here's what they're doing differently. So um, I would just say, again, if you could think through what are the types of questions that you might get, uh, not only for yourself, but based on the actions of other agencies, that that would be a really smart thing to do. So after the disaster, um, I think just be prepared to communicate a lot. I mean, we've mentioned before that you might feel like you're repeating yourself, but just know that your message is you know, coming out to different people at different times. Some people will miss one letter or another. And I think because of this, um, we went really old fashioned and sent an actual paper letter in English on one side, Spanish on the back, when our kids returned to school so that every single student of the 16,000 students we had had a paper letter. It was actually a goldenrod, so it might stand out. And um, 
And I just want to read to you what the superintendent, uh, the message that she was trying to give the parents at the beginning. She said, the purpose of this letter is to share a few important messages. Even if these messages do not apply to your situation, please review this information so that you can share it with others. The more we all know, the more we can help each other. And so I think at that point we were realizing we need to empower our families to start sharing information with their friends and families in their neighborhoods. We all are in this together. If somebody knows how to find counseling, they can share it with their neighbor. Um, and then we used a bulleted list, and this is also in that information packet. And then I think to plan ahead for the future. We went back to our schools around Halloween, and we knew Thanksgiving would be like a touch point for our families. So another letter went home right before Thanksgiving, especially talking about um, the availability of free counseling um, for families affected by the fires. And then again, over winter break, that was a tough time for a lot of people. We had 800 students who lost their homes, which is just amazing. I can't even wrap my head around it to this day. So winter break was a touch point where we also had um, a real important message to send to our parents. And, that, and we do parent calls as well and email messaging, so we're using different modes of messaging. So this is really building on everything that Beth just said. Um, but I'll talk about it a little bit from the county office perspective. And if you work at a school district, this would be a good time to reach out to your county office and see how they can help and um, you can coordinate some efforts around telling your story after the fire. So for me, the a little story that illustrates the need for this is um, just a few weeks ago, I um, went out to a school site uh, in a neighborhood that had been destroyed by the fire. And for me, um, the rhythm of work basically returns more or less to pre-fire pre status. Um, personally, we didn't lose our home, so life had more or less resumed. But then I went out to the school uh, where the students literally have to drive through their burned down past their burned down homes every day to go to school. The school was the only thing that survived in the neighborhood. And um, it was three months later, and the teachers and the students were still really suffering. In fact, it was almost worse for them than it had been during the crisis, because now the parents, like the stress was just adding up, the, the teachers have been dealing with student trauma for three months. Um, point being, the support from the community really needs to continue for a long time after a crisis at this level. And as communicators, we have an important role to play in telling that story, um, illustrating the impact of the crisis and the extent of it. So we developed a little infographic that just shows exactly how schools were affected and students in Sonoma County. Um, it was just one of many communication methods we've been um, trying to, to use letters to the editor from our superintendent to keep this in the public eye and hopefully keep support coming for our students who are going to need it for um, months or even years to come. Um, so prioritize your resources. Um, these actually are some kids at our Hidden Valley Elementary School. The school that we lost was, fortunately, I mean, if you had to lose the school, it was our smallest elementary school, 80 students. And so they were absorbed into a nearby elementary school. And here they're actually creating Stars of Hope. I don't know if you've heard of that organization, but they'll come out to um, schools or you know offices, churches, synagogues, 
and bring these wooden stars, and it's very empowering to have people who've lived through a disaster to be able to create a message of hope for someone else and use their creativity, so I highly recommend them. But um, at that school, I check in with the principal now at that now bigger school um, very often, much more than I would normally in my job. So I think um, it just pays to uh, change it up, maybe what you would typically do as a communication coordinator or PIO for your district. And then expect to have two jobs for a while because you're doing this extra check-in with some people or you know, accompanying the media, which is like triple the amount of attention on this school than they've ever had before. Um, and, and talk about like perhaps who you report to and how your job has changed and maybe some priorities before the disaster have changed with your job. So now we'll take questions. If anybody has any questions? Morning, 
and he woke up everyone to, with the leadership team. And so he asked us to come in at seven o'clock that morning. But anyway, our schools were closed almost four weeks. So it was, what, two weeks, Dave, um, before spring break? And then, um, I mean, winter break, and then we went into winter break. So there was a long time that we were closed. And so my district is adjoining um, to the city of Ventura where they took the brunt of the Thomas Fire disaster. So um, it affected our district in that we had the smoke that was coming in. So we had the embers that fell down. We had, we had to close our schools because of that. A lot of our teachers um, live in Ventura but work in the Oxnard School District, so it affected our employees. Some of our employees lost their homes in that disaster. And, um, but we did get a little pushback from parents saying, well, if the fire was in Ventura, why are your Oxnard schools closed? And they, I had to communicate that it affects us because we're right there. It's Oxnard, Ventura, you know, Camarillo, et cetera. Ojai was affected. And then, of course, you saw the news where the fire went up through Montecito, which they're dealing with the potential slide um, situation that's coming up with the rains that are coming tomorrow. So anyway, we did work with our um, county office, um, the Turk County Office of Education, Dave, right at the in there, and he helped us put out the information um, to uh, the community. So he, um, you know, contacted all the districts, um, and we worked together jointly, and the superintendents were together, and and how. Uh, you know, closing the schools and, and making it so that it showed a uniform, you know, um, path to, to, you know, for people to be together on during this disaster. So I thought that was kind of nice because some of the school districts were like, well, are you guys going to close? Yeah, we're going to close. You know, cut, you know, it's just everybody's intertwined in our community. So just because you live in Oxnard, you might work in Camarillo, and it's just, you know, Ventura County's big, but it's small. So anyway, I don't know if you want to add something, Dave. That's, um, we kind of touched on this, but I do want to, describe what happened to us in Napa County was during the night of the first night the superintendents got on a group text and Elizabeth and I were sort of tapped into it at one point there was emails and texts and we met every day we're, we're fairly small there's only five districts but even so um, the county office was able kind of to provide that coordinating role we talked every day and the superintendents agreed right from the start that we'd either all close or all be open and that was really helpful but then further in the week we worked with county health to adopt the air quality guidelines for schools, so there was a, and this will be available in the um, online folder. There was a chart, just like the one that everyone can look at online, but we had added specific information about sports and practices and when recess and when students would be sent home, and we adopted that as a county. So all the districts were sharing it. The county office was able to put it out on behalf of everyone, and that was really, I think the consistent messaging really paid off for us. Anybody else have questions? So one of you had mentioned, uh, my name is Cindy Benzel and I'm with the California Teachers Association, and one of you had mentioned um, the union, and I would, I would encourage you to, if you haven't already, and I'd like to know if you did work with your unions, but they have a communication system as well. And when I was with Canspra, Greensburg, Kansas was wiped off the map, and so I ended up doing the PR for the school district there. So I can't emphasize enough the whole idea of connecting with your Kelspra colleagues and uh, we're, we're more than happy to help. And also CTA has a natural disaster grants. So if any of your folks haven't uh, applied for that, they still do that. Imagine in a crisis like that, you can have a dozen, maybe a hundred uh, tweets and Facebook messages going out in the course of a minute or a, a few minutes at least. How did you deal with the social media, the, the untrue things 
way we handled it was we had one employee who, um, I, in my office it's me, it's a webmaster, and then I have a half-time media specialist. And this, that person had two little boys at home, so the whole two weeks she was sort of at home. So that was her job. She was online from home, monitoring the social media, you know, popping things up, watching for um, issues that, that we needed to tackle. Um, and then she was able to post for, for me. You know, I would just let her know what I needed posted, and that was just her job. That's all she did was social media, and that worked out really well for us. For us, it was less that there were rumors or misinformation on social media than two things. One, uh, kids tweeting, oh, why isn't my school closed? I want to miss school today. Uh, and two, questions about charter schools. So in San Diego County, we've got 125, 135 charter schools. And so that's one area where we're always kind of working to get tighter, is making sure that we have good relationships with them and the, and the Catholic schools and independent schools, because people are looking to us as the county office to have a really good list of who's open and closed, and they don't care if it's a charter or if it's a traditional district. So um, I was working on that also with support from my team, but just making sure that we're, we use um, Hootsuite, and so we've got a column for mentions, and so it's just looking at those to see and then responding or referring people back to our webpage. Um, see, I'll just tack on to that. Again, for us at the county office, there weren't a lot of rumors or negative comments, but there was a real hunger for information, especially we said people look to us to announce school closures and that sort of thing. So we found the best thing we could do was just be very proactive about our messaging. So after the first day or so, we got into a rhythm of putting up posts. We will be announcing school closures for the following day at 3 p.m. And we had a very uh, regular group of people looking for that information at that time and sharing it out. Um, and this is kind of strange, but we also found that the crisis was a great time to get followers. Yeah. We were putting up a lot of great resources, um, you know, regarding student mental health and homeless, student homeless issues, and of course school closures. And um, I think it really positioned us as an expert in that area, and we gained a lot of followers. I, I agree with that. I mean, I a year and a half into my job and there wasn't a communications person before I started in my district. And um, I think, I mean, our Facebook, I think we tripled our Facebook followers. And, but I will say one thing that um, I found was we weren't getting the negative messaging. We were very proactive with social media, but also I was finding that the message aspect, especially on Facebook, I was getting some messages from parents um, we lost our home. How can my child get mental health, you know, counseling? And so it was the kind of messaging I was looking a lot more and trying to respond very quickly to those types of things. So I would just say, um, be prepared for more private messaging than you've ever had before. And trying, uh, that was really important to me to hook them up with the right resources right away. Just one more thing I want to say about that. Um, you know, in this world where things happen so fast, we started to get a pushback. Just a few parents, but a few who were saying, you know, why does it take you know 30 minutes after I've got a nixel before I hear anything from the school? And my answer to that was, uh huh, yeah, that's right. You know, I said, you know, and and the reason is, you know, nixel is always going to be first. The Facebook rumors are always going to be first. But my promise to them is that what they're going to hear from us is going to be accurate. And it's going to be, you know, they're going to have it as quickly as they can. And, you know, once you say that, once you just acknowledge, you're not going to hear from us first. You're going to hear from us accurately and as quickly as we can. And then that seemed to 
tamp that down just a little bit. Do we have time for one more? One more question. Okay, what, this last one, guys. Okay. I have a talking stick. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that when all the power and Wi-Fi went down and everything, you went out and put signs on all the schools. Um, what did you have? Like fire officials helping you go throughout the burning areas and ha just talk to me more about the old school tools. Actually, the way we handled that was. Um, I give, our, I give our team credit because our superintendent had in the room, every day we met at twice, we met at nine, we met at two. And the people in the room were cabinet, you know, usual suspects, all the managers and stuff, but then we had the unions in there, we had our migrant ed representative in there, we had anybody who had sort of a stake in the thing. So once we realized that we needed to, to get out to all the schools, the hands just went up. You know, we have 31 schools, we had roughly, you know, 15 people in the room. So we just split it up, and people literally, you know, went out and drove, and, and you know, yeah, we were in the fire area. So I mean, yeah, that was. There's only one school that was behind the fire lines, actually. So this is just notifying everybody when we couldn't. And um, yeah, our AM radio station. My days were, you know, nine o'clock. EOC, you know, I was in our office, and then he, I went down to the EOC and went to the radio station. I just pretty much kept up that triangle. Um, the entire time, and to print these signs, here's, so I, I could sit on my computer and print the signs, but I couldn't, or make the signs, but I didn't actually print, I couldn't actually print them, so I stuck them on a drive, and I ran down to our local library, which had a printer, and you know, it was just, it was ridiculous. It was, everything took three times as long as you think it's gonna, so. Thank you, everybody, we hope it was helpful. And a really great job by Beth, Elizabeth, Jamie, Sienna, and Music on their presentation, putting that together. So much good information. That is just one of the fantastic workshops here at CalSPRA. I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Um, for more information on the conference, you can find me on Twitter. Comment here. Subscribe to the blog. I'll do another separate podcast about CalSPRA and the benefits of it. As a school communications professional, I've gotten so much value out of CalSPRA. Um, that was one example that I wanted to share with you about dealing with crisis when disaster strikes, those practical tips, how you can prepare yourself for the inevitable when the disaster does strikes. Uh, again, those ladies did a really fine job of uh, getting the information out, sharing their story, and making sure that other benefits, other people benefit from the lessons they learned. So great job. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and we'll be in touch with you guys soon for more podcasts. You can visit my blog, ryanprforan.blogspot.com. Find me on Twitter, Ryan P. Ferran, and um, leave a comment here. Love to connect. And again, we'll do a separate podcast on Casper. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.